to the Colby Daniels podcast as we get ready for a giant Tuesday night at Chalk in Chisholm Creek. Along with Will Brewer, I'm Colby Daniels. Will, we have the NBA lottery on Tuesday night. It's going to be at 7.30, which means the two of us are going to be at Chalk in Chisholm Creek live doing the podcast from 7 to 8. It's going to be an incredible event. Obviously, monstrous implications as far as the Oklahoma City Thunder, the future of the organization. I mean, Tuesday night potentially is the night that sends the Thunder back to, you know, the the days of Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook and James Harden. If they land that number one or, or maybe even number two overall pick, it could also be a disaster if the Thunder get extremely unlucky on Tuesday night. But Either way, it's going to be incredible drama. It's going to be a great time. Hopefully, a ton of Thunder fans show up to Chalk on Tuesday night because, honestly, I cannot wait to see how the ping pong balls go on Tuesday. Yeah, it's going to be an incredible night, man. Um, I can't wait to get to Chalk. It's going to be an incredible environment. And like you said, you know, it could end up being really, really well for the for the Thunder. I mean, they're all in. You can tell just how this year went. You know, they basically tanked the, the entire season. And, you know, uh, trying to get all these picks, all these first round, second round picks, and it's all leading up to um, to these drafts. And we'll see what happens, man. I'm excited. No doubt. So everybody, if you are uh, if you're looking for something to do on Tuesday night or if you're a Thunder fan and you want to come hang out with other Thunder fans Tuesday night, beginning at seven from seven to eight, we will be live. The draft lottery, I believe, starts at 730. So um, that's that's going to be awesome. I, I can't, you know, we were we did the draft there, the NFL draft, and it was just an unbelievable atmosphere. And people just like going crazy with draft picks. And just to see kind of like the the reaction of everybody in chalk with everything that went down, like I think that's going to be magnified when you when you consider it, it has implications for Oklahoma City. So uh, chalk in Chisholm Creek on Tuesday night. Uh, for the NBA draft lottery. And again, uh, fingers crossed, Thunder hit a home run in this thing. All right, so um, today, holy cow, like I got out of bed, I'm making my coffee. I hadn't even fully like shaken the cobwebs off yet. And as, as I'm waiting on the coffee pot to fill up, I open my Twitter and the first tweet I see is Woj. <laughs> and he says, the Thunder have acquired, and I just see the name Kimball Walker and... I get the, you know, the head explosion emoji look on my face immediately. Um, holy cow. Sam Presti has just done a phenomenal job over really what, I mean, the last five years of constantly juggling everything that he's had to juggle with this roster and constantly making moves to continue to upgrade the Thunder's position as far as being able to rebuild this thing long term. Um, it, it's, it's a remarkable job. I thought this trade and we'll get to the details of it in a second, but I thought this trade was fantastic, very little risk, massive upside. I don't know whether Kimball Walker is ever going to play basketball in a Thunder uniform. I hope he does, but the Thunder acquire Kimball Walker, the number 16 pick on Tuesday night, and a 2025 second-round pick for Al Horford, Moses Brown, and a 2023 second-round pick. Yeah, like you said, man, Sam Presti is all in on... on uh on this team and trying to rebuild this thing. Um, you can just see the little workings that he's been doing over the past five years and especially over the last year and a half um, since he's been working really diligently on this team. 
And, you know, getting Kimba Walker, you know, like I said, we don't know if he's going to ever play in a Thunder uniform, but getting that first-round pick, you know, it just goes to show how important that this draft and uh, these drafts to come are for this Thunder franchise. And Sam Presti is completely all in on uh, making this thing work and getting getting Oklahoma City back where they need to be. Let's start with uh, what they gave up in this trade. Um, Al Horford obviously didn't play the majority of the year, Will. Like, he's he's a veteran that, you know, was on a really bad team. It just didn't make a lot of sense for a team that's tanking to play a guy the caliber of Al Horford. And for Al Horford's side of things, it's not going to tremendously change the player he is other than maybe add some mileage that doesn't need to be there. Uh, so you, you trade away Al Horford, um, a, a guy that, you know, again, wasn't in the future for, for Oklahoma City. I don't know how you felt about Moses Brown, but I didn't think he was a cornerstone piece either. Uh, so, you know, as far as what they gave up in this trade, I I mean, I, Al Horford's a terrific pickup for Boston. I think he fits that team much better than Kimball Walker did. But as far as Oklahoma City side of it, they didn't give up anything that will be missed, in my opinion. I agree, man. You know, Al Horford's a pro's pro, man. He's been in this in this game for a long time. Uh, you know, he wants to play for a playoff team at this point in his career. And, you know, just the Thunder and Al Horford, they weren't on the same page. And, you know, there wasn't any bad blood or anything like that. You know, they mutually came to terms on Al Horford sitting out, you know, whether that the trade came during the season or after the season. You know, both parties knew uh, what was best for each other. And, you know, giving up Al Horford, you know, like like I said, pro's pro, uh, going to Boston, that just completely helps him because Boston's a team that wants to get to that upper echelon and uh, contend in the Eastern Conference. And, you know, he already knows that system, uh, having played uh, in Boston before. So that just – it all works for Al Horford. And as far as Moses Brown, he had some really good moments playing for Oklahoma City. There was a lot of times where he had double-doubles. I felt like he was just a walking double-double. I remember one game he had like a 20-20 game. A lot of potential, but uh, I, like you said, um, he didn't seem like he was going to be a cornerstone for the Thunder. So, and, you know, there was a log jam of bigs uh, for Oklahoma City, and I just felt like, you know, at some point they were going to have to move some of, some of the bigs. And, you know, especially with this draft coming up, there was a lot of expendable pieces on the, on the Thunder roster. So uh, they're not going to – they didn't give up anything that was going to be missed, and, you know, they're getting back uh, a lot of value for sure. Yeah, if you wanted to be patient with Moses Brown, like I don't have an issue with that, but is Moses Brown a double-double guy on a good team? Is Moses Brown a guy that's going to play big minutes on a good team? I think, you know, we, we always have this conversation in the NBA, um, whether, you know, the guys that are producing numbers on bad teams, are they good players? Or is it just a matter of somebody has to score, somebody has to grab rebounds on a team that's losing by 30 every night? So, um, look, I, I, again, I, I think that uh, Moses Brown was probably a project, and he, he certainly showed some good moments, and he showed some flashes, and if the Thunder had held on to him for a long-term project type thing, like maybe it turns out in their favor. But in terms of trying to turn this thing into a winner, um, giving up Moses Brown for me wouldn't be a deal breaker at all. And again, we're talking about assets in the NBA when it comes to rebuilding. And the number 16 pick in the NBA draft is a valuable asset in comparison to basically anybody on the roster that's not somebody you consider to be a cornerstone piece. I mean, that's the bottom line. So, um I, I love this trade as far as Kimball Walker goes. I, let me first say this. I'm a big Kimball Walker fan. I've been a Kimball Walker fan since the days at UConn. Like, I just love 
how you know that 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 run in I think it was the Big East still at that point the Big East tournament yeah. the NCAA tournament it just kind of felt like it was Kimba Walker against the world and uh, yeah. he put UConn on his back and like I've I've just I've been a fan of Kimba Walker ever since he made that tournament run I like what he brings in the NBA now is he a great fit for Oklahoma City given where the organization is right now I don't know that I would say he's a great fit. But there's very little downside to me in this situation, Will. When you look at Kimball Walker coming over, first and foremost, what, 19 points a game last year on about 15 shots a game. Um, he was all, like I said earlier, it, I thought he was a terrible fit for that Boston team paired with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Like, he was the third guy when when you have three perimeter scoring options, right? So, first of all, to, to score 19 a game, playing kind of the sidekick to both of those young emerging stars in the NBA. Uh, I, I think he still has a lot in the gas tank. If, if he ultimately plays for the Thunder, I think he'll be a good player. We talked just a second ago about guys putting up big numbers on bad teams. Kimball Walker could score 30 a game next year for Oklahoma City if he actually plays here. And what does that do? Ultimately, I think that just raises his trade value if you decide to move him. I don't know if they move him before next season starts. And honestly, when you look at his his contract, $36 million next year, and then he has that player option year for the following season at $37 million, I believe. So you're, you're talking about two years anyway. This could be a Chris Paul-type situation. You bring him in, you let him play really well, he puts up all-star caliber numbers, you're able to move him, you get more draft picks or more something, whatever it is that you ultimately trade him for, uh, and you know we get to watch him in Oklahoma City for half a season or a season. Everybody wins in this scenario. I don't see a downside. I've seen a few people post on Twitter that they don't like how much money Kimba Walker is making, and to me, that that's just mind-blowing. Like, why you're upset about this trade because Kimba Walker is going to make $36 million? Kimba Walker's contract is not going to prevent the Thunder from signing any big-name free agent, because guess what? The Thunder don't sign big-name free agents. <laughs> Somebody has to get paid, even on bad teams. So Kimball Walker's contract isn't going to stop the Thunder from doing anything they're trying to do right now. LeBron James isn't calling Sam Presti wanting to come to Oklahoma City, right? right? Like Devin Booker's not trying to get out of Phoenix to come to Oklahoma City. So this idea that Kimball Walker's $36 million is, you know, going to sink the ship for Oklahoma City is crazy talk. That is not a real thing. Kimball Walker's making money. So be it. Maybe you don't think he's worth $36 million. That's fine. But it doesn't impact the Thunder in any way, really. Yeah, I agree 100%. As soon as I saw that uh, Kimba Walker was a part of this trade, I immediately thought to the Chris Paul situation because it's a similar situation, right? You know, Kimba has a, a injury history, and Chris Paul was coming off, uh, you know, injury history in Houston. And, uh, you know, Chris Paul used this. You know, people, everybody thought, you know, we're just going to trade Chris Paul at some point, whether it be before the trade deadline, before Christmas, before the, before the season started, you know, before actually giving Chris Paul a chance. And, you know, we saw what, what Chris Paul did. He came in, uh, took these guys under his wing, and, you know, they made a playoff push. Um, and nobody expected Thunder to even really contend for the playoffs. But Chris Paul put that uh, responsibility on his shoulders to take this young team and prove himself. And then I, at the end of the day, it proved really well for the Thunder and himself to get traded to a good situation and for the Thunder to get draft capital back. Uh, on the on the other hand, as far as Kimball Walker is concerned, same thing. You know, injury history. It, like you said, he's not a good fit in Boston. You know, he's a scoring guard and playing alongside Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. You know, a lot of isolations between just those two. And you know, Kimball trying to fit in. You know, his 18, 19 points. You know, it was just 
it was really tough. And then, you know, with, with the injuries and COVID and everything that was going on with Boston this year, you know, it, it was just a, a time for, for Kimba to move on. Uh, if I'm Kimba, you know, if I get traded uh, to another team, great. But if, if I'm Kimba Walker, I'm going to embrace um, playing for the Thunder if that's what it leads to. Embrace playing with the Thunder. Do what Chris Paul did. Uh, take on a leadership role. Do whatever is asked of you. Uh, take these young guys under your wing. Uh, teach uh, Shea Gildas Alexander some things. Teach these young draft picks that are coming in some things. Uh, show your leadership. Show that your your uh, ability to be durable and you know just uh, try to take this team to the next level. And if you're a part of that, that just works for you and for the Thunder, and it'll be good for you to uh, get move on to another uh, situation in the future. What do you know the current floor for the NBA salary cap right now? I do not know. I want to say it's just south of a hundred million, like maybe like ninety-seven, ninety-eight million ish in that neighborhood. Mm, okay. I pulled up just now the Thunder's current contract situation, and they haven't up- updated this since the trade. But going into next year, Al Horford was going to be the highest paid player for OKC at $27 million. The next highest paid player on the roster was Shea at 5.4. <laughs> you have to spend the low level of the, of the salary cap you have to spend a certain amount of money. I'm, I'm pulling it up here. The minimum team salary. Okay, so this is this isn't the right page, but this is for not this year, but last year. Last year's floor was 98 million. So NBA teams have to spend at least 98 million dollars on their team. If your highest paid player is Shea at 5.4, it's not like you have 53 NFL players to hit that 98 million dollars. You're right. you have to get somebody that's going to make some money, or you're going to have to give out a bad contract to somebody. Somebody's going to make a bunch of money. Right. Absolutely. So, like, I I just I I I don't understand anybody complaining about Kimba Walker making 36 million dollars. It's going to help them reach the floor. It's only two years max anyway. Like, let's say Kimba gets here and doesn't play well, doesn't help his trade value, isn't a giant asset. It's only two seasons. And then that money comes off your books. Like, I, I, I'm failing to see where a downside here is. Upside, Kimba Walker comes in and plays terrific. And maybe you get a Paul George-type trade offer for him. Maybe you get a Chris Paul-type trade offer for him. Or we just get to watch him play here for a year... And you get an all-star caliber guard. The guy's made the all-star team four times in his career. You get that kind of guy playing for your team for a season while you're in rebuild mode. Yeah, I, I'm all I'm all in for Kimball to come uh, and just show what he what he's worth and just try to see that uh, he's still an all-star caliber player in this league. You know, the injury bug has really hit him hard, and it would be good just to see him uh, revitalize his career in OKC. I think a part of um, people getting upset with uh, the, the amount of money that Kim was making, I think, you know, for a while, you know, OKC fans, were, they were really used to seeing, like, money just being real tied up in Oklahoma City. You know, right. Russell Westbrook making $200 million, Stephen Adams making $100 million, Paul George making what he made. And, you know, there was a time when the Thunder were really handicapped on what they could do uh, with money. And, you know, that's why that, you know, after uh, – after they lost to, to Portland in, in five in uh, 2019, there wasn't really anything that they could do. Uh, right. You know, you could trade Steven Adams, you could trade Jeremy Grant, but it was just kind of like, you know, what really moves the needle to make the Thunder better? 
Um, and then at the end of the day, they just had to, you know, just tear everything apart and just kind of, you know, relieve themselves of some of these big contracts. So I think that's kind of where it comes from. But I mean, at this point, people have to understand that it's just one player making $37 million. It's not like you have four guys that's taking just a whole chunk of the money. Right. It's just one guy making $37 million. And then, uh, the next, like you said, the next guy that's making, uh, that's next is Shea, who's making $5 million. So, um, the Thunder's in a really good spot, regardless of if Kimba's making $37 million, and people are going to have to rec- recognize that. Yeah. If it doesn't pre- prevent your favorite team from being able to make moves, why do you care what a guy gets paid? Right. Should, I mean, shouldn't it, like, I, th- this happened with the Steven Adams thing, and, and look, I know that at times the Steven Adams contract impacted Oklahoma City, but there's this idea in sports that if you get paid a certain amount of money, you have there's a certain expectation of, of like how you should produce. And so people get upset at the player for not producing what they think should be produced based on the dollar figure that that guy makes. And my whole thing is, look, everybody's asked to play different roles. Sometimes you're asked to play a star role. Sometimes the next season you have to take a, a secondary seat. It just Every year is different, especially in the NBA, when the landscape changes drastically from season to season. If a contract doesn't prevent your team from being able to make moves to get better, then I don't know why people complain so much about them. So uh, that's that's all on the on the Kimball Walker contract part of all of this. Um, is that number going to be tough for a really good team to take on? Possibly. I mean, you know that maybe that's maybe that's the issue with trading him. Maybe you're not able to trade him because it's a big contract and a good team that could use his services just isn't able to make the move for a guy that's about to make thirty six million dollars. But again, it's only two years on the Thunder's books and he comes off anyway, and he's still playing at a high level right now. He's 31 years old. So, no, I, I don't think there's any risk with the Kimball Walker thing. I think it's all upside, and you're either going to hit, or he just plays it out in Oklahoma City, and we continue to move on. As for the number 16 pick, um, I, I saw a buddy of mine uh, tweet this morning that there are people complaining about the Thunder getting too many draft picks. I've I've not seen this. I don't I, like. I, I I even tweeted him back. I was like, "Is this is this really a thing? Like, are people saying that the Thunder have too many draft? Like, how is how can you have too many draft picks? You can never have too many draft picks. But um, look, not all draft picks are going to turn into players. Not all draft picks are going to turn into good players. A lot of this you have to think of it as currency, right? Like. You have five draft picks in the first round of a draft. You're probably not going to use all five of those picks. You're probably going to package a couple of those up together to move up and get a better caliber player. Now, you, you need some, you know, for the Thunder's re- rebuilding process, you need a lot of luck as far as where you hit in the lottery. And again, you know, I'm, I'm excited for Tuesday night and the Thunder's chances of landing. I, 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 for me, I think there are three guys that I would like to see them be able to get. Definitely two. I, I have my top two, but um, I'm warming to the idea of Jalen Green at three, and then even you know worst case scenario, uh, Mobley at four. Yeah, I don't think you want to fall out of the top four if you're the Oklahoma City Thunder. But let's just say, for the sake of argument, they get the fifth pick. They also have pick number sixteen now. They have pick number eighteen. They have two picks at the top of the second round. Which I don't know about you, I love those top of the second round picks because they're not guaranteed. Right, like the, if you're a right. first round pick, you're guaranteed. If you're a second round pick, you're taking a guy a couple picks later that's not guaranteed. You can take a flyer on a guy, hope that he hits. If he doesn't, you're not stuck to him for four seasons. Like, 
I love those picks. I think they're extremely valuable uh, because you can throw darts at the dartboard and not have to pay the price if you miss. Uh, so they they have five picks at least in the top 36 of this draft. If by some miracle the Rockets pick falls outside of the protected window, they could have six picks in the top 36. But if the Thunder land at like number five, for example, and they, they fall in love with, let's just say Jalen Suggs, they fall in love with Jalen Suggs. They really want Jalen Suggs. Let's say the third pick rolls around. Jalen Suggs is on the board. What you do, you don't use all those picks. You package pick number five and pick number 16 and maybe pick number 35. And I'm just giving an example. I'm not trying to say this is an actual trade package. But as an example, you package those picks to move up two spots to get the guy you actually want instead of settling for... Although the number five pick, you're going to get a good player you get the guy that you feel like is the game changer for what you're trying to do. So you can never have too many draft picks, people. If if there's anybody out there that actually thinks that, <laughs> you can never have too many draft picks. Man, right. You can never have too many draft picks. And in a, in a draft like this, when you're in rebuild mode, the more draft picks, the better. I mean, if you really want uh, to go and just draft, use all your draft picks, draft a player, that's great, but I, I'm with you. I feel like they can just package it and really just get circling on the player that they want and get that player. I think that uh, there's a plan involved. Uh, Sam Press, he's always uh, two, three steps ahead. Uh, he's got a plan. He has a player that he wants to get, and he's getting all these draft picks to package, uh, to package them together and to get that player. That's just my opinion. Um, there's like like you said, there's there's a lot of guys in the top five that they could go with. Um, I don't know if they're gonna try to make a run at Cade Cunningham. You know, I feel like him and Share kind are kind of similar, so I don't know how right. much that would work. But right. for me, you know, Mobley would be great. Suggs would be great. You know, just thinking of all the players that they have that they have already that could uh, be cornerstones of the future, and just uh, what this draft represents, all the guys that are in this draft. I mean, I really feel like that. Like there's three or four guys in the in the top eight that they could go with that could really uh, help them. So um, I feel like that you can never have enough draft picks for sure. Um, for people who that think that, I think that's ridiculous. Um, the, I mean, the more the more draft picks, man, the better. Uh, just the the possibilities, the endless possibilities that you could have with these draft picks. Uh, is the more draft picks, the better, man, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he said, I've had a few buddies this morning say, what are you going to do with all these draft picks? We need players. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> That's how you get the players, man, is through the draft. You're not, you're not winning free agency battles. The Thunder aren't going head-to-head -head with the L.A. Lakers for the services of really good players and winning. That's, that's not the way this has worked since the Thunder have been here. So, um you have to do it through the draft. You have to position yourself to get the best players. And look, at the end of the day, you have to worry about getting good players and then losing them as well. So you have to get young players that right. hit and you're able to potentially keep them on that first contract renegotiation before the second one when likely a market like Oklahoma City may lose out. So having draft picks is extremely valuable even beyond like trading for really good young players because you're starting that clock potentially when you draft them that eight-year clock you're starting that immediately yeah and and on top of that these picks are really really well positioned for Oklahoma City 
Well, we, we don't know, like, um, where they'll hit in the lottery, but as far as having, like, number 16, number 18, and then the, the, the picks at the top of the second round, these are really, really solid uh, picks for them. I mean, the Thunder need players, like, like, uh, like the guy said, which is true, and this is how you get them. You get them through the draft. So um, we don't know what, where they're going to hit in the lottery. Uh, hopefully that they hit the jackpot, but uh, even, if they're, even if they're at number five, plus the number 16 and 18 and all that, like the, the Thunder are positioned very, very well um, to, to make a really, really solid push here in this draft. Here's what I see on their roster as far as money tied up to players right now. Shea, Gabriel Deck, Poku, Darius Baisley, Ty Jerome, Teo Maladon, Kenrich Williams, uh, Lou Dort, Isaiah Roby, and then they just traded Moses Brown. So... Even if you use, let's just say, like for the for the sake of argument, let's say the the Rockets pick. The Rockets are probably going to keep that pick, based on the odds. So let's just say that they don't get the Rockets pick, but the Thunder landed, you know, somewhere in the top eight. Obviously, they make that pick. Let's just say they make sixteen and eighteen. That's three players, and let's just say that one of the two second round picks at the top of the second round is a guy that that can make the NBA roster. Even if you take all those picks and you have four guys, like all four of those guys could be on this team. They like you need you do need players. So right. having the draft picks is the way to do it. Right. <laughs> and if they stink, then you lose them down the road, but for peanuts as opposed to paying free agents to come in. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Uh yeah, again, you, you... I, I I just I, I'm so impressed with what the Thunder have done, I mean, for a stretch now, with just their ability to continue to juggle what this roster looks like and the viability of being able to make moves, acquire assets, while also putting some decent players on the floor at the same time. Right, yeah. Sam Presti has proved that he's a magician with this stuff, man. Uh, You know, when you trade a, a cornerstone guy like Russell Westbrook and uh, a superstar like Paul George, and you just kind of think like, where do we go from here? Uh, Sam Presti has answered that bell uh, with flying colors, man. Uh, uh, just everything that he's been doing, uh, trading for Chris Paul, uh, that whole experiment uh, it worked out. And then uh, trading, getting out Horford and these these veteran guys to pair with these young guys and seeing the young guys flourish. Like, Lou Dort came out of nowhere, and he's now one of the top uh, perimeter defenders in the league. Right. Uh, Darius Baisley, we knew uh, his potential, and, and we started to see it uh, in the last few years. Uh, Shea Gildas-Alexander, we knew uh, what type of player that he was coming out of uh, Los Angeles. Um, it's all worked out uh, up to this point, and uh, just all the trades that he's been making, getting these draft picks, uh, for, for this draft and the drafts to come. Uh, it's all been a part of a plan. And Sam Presti has really impressed me. And, uh, you know, for, for for anyone that thinks that uh, you have too many draft picks, like you, like we're saying, you can never have too many draft picks. In this draft and any draft that, uh, that there is to come in the future, uh, Sam Presti has put this organization in a very good position uh, to have a very good team in the future. By the way, I remember, uh, once again, we're, we also have to consider the lottery is on Tuesday night. And if it doesn't go the Thunder's way, they need the capital for it to go the Thunder's way, right? Like, if they hit the number one overall pick, that's great. And they get extremely lucky, and it's a home run, and everybody's happy. 
But if it goes the other way and the Thunder, let's just say for the sake of argument, it's worst case scenario, and the Thunder end up with the eighth pick on Tuesday night, that's extremely unlucky. We're probably not talking about one of those game-changing type players in year one or year two. Um, maybe you get lucky and you get, you know, we've seen guys like Giannis and Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, you know, that, that have hit and become all-stars not go in the top five. But it's not, it's, it's kind of the exception to the rule, not the rule. So let's just say they get the number eight pick. I remember looking, this has probably been about a year or two, but I remember seeing an NBA draft pick like trade value board where they assign like a point value for all these picks. So the number one pick I remember in this thing was like 4,000 points. And it, it drops down. Like number two, I think, was like 3,000 immediately. So you lose like 1,000 points just from pick one to pick two. So all the way down at the 10th pick, I think it was like fifteen to 1,600. Um, so kind of on that scale, I think if, if you're talking about the eighth pick, it's probably in the 2,000-point range would be my guess. If you start talking about picks like 16 and 18, which they have in the first round, both of those picks are probably going to be worth about 1,000 points. So let's Mm -hmm. just say Cade Cunningham is the guy they want. You end up with the number eight pick, which is about a 2,000-point value pick, and then you have those other two picks that are worth about 1,000 points each. That's where you get your trade value. Pick eight, pick 16, pick 18 to move up to number one and take Cade Cunningham. Now, the other side has to agree to that, but you kind of see the point of getting these assets to be able to make moves if it doesn't go your way because the Thunder got really lucky when they started this thing. They may not get really lucky on Tuesday night. There's a chance. But if they don't, you have to prepare for the worst-case scenario as well. And that's why you have all these draft picks. Right. If, if they don't hit uh, in the in the draft lottery and get the number one or number two pick, like you said, if they end up with number eight, these other draft picks puts them in the perfect position to still make a run at the top two or, or first pick. That's why you get all of these draft picks. That's why um, you, uh, you're okay with having the number 16, number 18 and the top two picks or uh, two top picks in the, in the second round. Like just packaging all those together, it makes a really good case to get you a number one or number two pick. So Sam Presti is just thinking ahead, two, three steps ahead. Uh, he's planning for the worst case scenario or the best case scenario. And for a GM, that's that's the type of GM that you want to have, a GM that just looks at all the scenarios and wants to pick the best situation for his team. By the way, have you heard the Kristaps uh, Porzingis to OKC rumors? I started to hear something like along the lines of just uh, a Kimba to Kristaps, but that's kind of it. Yeah. Um, I've been hit with uh, a whole bunch of people today asking me about what about Kimba for Porzingis or just Porzingis in general to OKC. And my response was, I would love to see Porzingis in a Thunder uniform about 51 times a year. <laughs> that might right. be that might be generous, but um, look, he's kind of like who he is, right? Like, at one point, you just say, like, there's a lot of upside. This guy could turn into something really, really special because the tools are there, but he's got to get healthy. Well, when it's been like eight years and you're just never healthy... Like that's kind of what you are at this point. You're just you're not a healthy 82 game a year player. And I think what we've seen from him in Dallas is you have to worry about the overall like well-being and physical abilities and like I don't know how crazy you want to get with him if you want him to be on the floor. 
Like there was a lot of complaining about him being a corner shooter. What do you want him to do? What do you want him to do that you can reasonably expect that he's also going to be able to play for you a lot? Yeah, uh, I mean, putting him on the block, I mean, that's just more uh, wear and tear on his body. And you can tell, like, that's not where he wants to be. That's not his game anyway, yeah. Yeah, that's not his game. That's not where he's comfortable. He's comfortable. um, The closest to the basket that he likes to be is on the elbow. uh, And and he still wants to shoot a fadeaway at that. Yeah. Uh, And outside of that, you know, he likes to be in the corner. He likes to shoot pick and pop threes. I mean, the – the less physical damage that he takes on his body, the better for him. Uh, he wants to. He wants to shoot. He's seven foot three. Um, most people you would like to think would would want him to be on the block. Even him himself, you would think that he would want to be on the block because if he catches it and turns around, I mean, these guys these days that are playing center, they're not they're not seven foot one or seven foot two. They're they're most likely six nine, six ten, six eight. He should be able to just you know give him a, a shoulder and just shoot over him. But that's not really what his game is. Uh, he wants to shoot, and uh, you know, when we have seen him go down there, you know, he normally takes a lot of punishment, and we don't see him for a few games. So, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know, man. In Dallas, uh, you know, he kind of came prisoner of just like watching Luca kind of work, and then if if the ball comes to him in the corner, then great. If right. not, then uh, he kind of gets blamed, you know, for you know he's supposed to be the another the second star on that team but it, it just kind of came lucas show and we really didn't get to see uh the best of, of porzingis i still think he has a lot of upside but uh, i think that's sure. to be in the right uh, the right situation and, and his I body has to, to allow that to come to fruition as well absolutely for sure and i think if he did come to oklahoma city uh we would see uh porzingis shine in, in a situation like this where there's not a lot of expectation where he can just come out here and just play um, but yeah, like you said, his body has to hold up. He could mentor uh, Poku. Absolutely, they're they're yeah. basically the same type of right. person. Yeah. <laughs> so if you yeah, if we want a, a a mentor for Poku, then there you go. Let's uh, let's really secure last year's number one pick and bring in Porzingis so that he can help young Porzingis. Um, all right, before we get out of here again, Tuesday night draft lottery. Um, obviously, Tuesday night, as soon as we figure out where the Thunder are picking in this NBA draft, we're immediately going to figure out, like, who's going to be there, who, you know, what are the, po- the possibilities. Talk to me real quick about the top of this draft and kind of how you see those top few players. Man, um, so I think this, uh, the top of this draft is really, really intriguing. Uh, of course, you know, most people think the number one pick will be Kate Cunningham. I agree with that. Um, just everything that he brings to the table, three-level score. I think he'll have to work on his uh, perimeter shooting a bit more in, in the NBA, but I think he's got all the tools to be uh, a really special player. Uh, you got Evan Mobley. Uh, I think uh, with the way that the NBA's bigs are, I think he fits right in to that. I think a lot of teams will want to uh, will want to take a chance on him as a cornerstone of their uh, of their franchise. Um, uh, Jalen Suggs, uh, I think he's another guy that's that's really that's, that's a really good fit for this uh, for this NBA. A really really talented player can do it on both ends. Uh, Jalen Green, uh, freak athlete. Um, uh, like I said, with with how the NBA is, the NBA is leaning a lot towards young athletes and just trying to groom them into um, really really special players. Um, like a Giannis type, how they saw the athlete and how freakish that he was, and then they wanted to uh, 
put the NBA skill into him after that. Uh, I feel like Jalen Green did good uh, going to the G League. Uh, I feel like uh, that really is going to help him out. Um, I think those those are the top four guys. Um, outside of them, I think uh, a, um, a sleeper in the top five or someone who could potentially be a top five guy, uh, Scotty Barnes uh, out of Florida State. I really like his game. And then uh, Moses – and then I like uh, Moses Moody out of uh, Arkansas. Um, I watched a lot of Arkansas games. My cousin went to Arkansas, so I'm a big Arkansas fan. Uh, I really like Moses Moody's game, and I think he'll be a really good NBA player for sure. There you go. I- I'm with you as far as I feel like that there is – for me, I would say maybe a-, a tier one would be Cade Cunningham, Jalen Suggs. Tier two would be Jalen Green and Mobley. And then you have tier three beyond that. But – I do kind of feel like for the Thunder, you definitely want to hit somewhere in that top four. And if you get three or four, maybe you're able to trade up to get one or two. But it's not the worst thing in the world in my mind if you at least land number four. If you land number five, I think then we're, we're talking about having to make moves. Um, and, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, I, I saw – I don't watch nearly as much college basketball as I used to. But I remember watching Jalen Suggs a few times early last year. And I tweeted this, Will, on uh, November 26th of 2020. I said, Jalen Suggs is really special. 1A, Cade Cunningham. 1B, Jalen Suggs. I think both of those guys are can't miss NBA prospects. I If the Thunder land either one of those guys, I think they're both the type of player that not only is really good themselves, but elevates the players around them to be better. And if you're OKC, like you need, you don't just need good players. You need transcendent players. You need the guys that not only are going to get theirs, but are going to elevate the guys around them to be better players. And I think both of those guys have that type of potential. I agree 100%, man. Uh, Jalen Suggs was really special playing uh, for Gonzaga as a, as a freshman, uh, basically being the leader of that team, taking that team all the way. Uh, as far as he did in the, in the NCAA tournament, you could just tell that he was really, really special on both ends. He has uh, the ability to, to be a leader. Uh, very, very special player. And the same thing with Kay Cunningham. You know, he had a lot of expectation going into this season. Um, I, I think he got the, the best, uh, like teams would just plan to defend him on, on a nightly basis. And you could just tell that he was, he always accepted the challenge and he just gave it his best um, he's a very, very special player as well. Uh, for him to be 6'8", uh, to be able to handle the ball the way he does and score the ball the way he does. Uh, and you can just uh, see the leadership that he brings to the table as well. So I'm with you. 1A, 1B, uh, both uh, very, very solid point guards. And if you can land one of those guys, um, you're definitely getting a player that you can uh, build around for the future. Um, I'm reading a tweet right now from a guy that covers the NBA, blue check mark NBA account. Uh, and it says Kimball Walker must report to OKC for physical has a tough contract to retrade even for Thunder GM Sam Presti also tough to pair him at the same time with SGA because both are undersized wow (laughs) huh (laughs) okay um, what does that undersized in what way like he doesn't weigh 300 pounds (laughs) I missed the yeah, I missed the part where Shay's undersized. Um Shay's a six five point guard. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Shay is a six five uh point guard, combo guard at that. And uh right. you know, 
Shea played with Chris Paul, and uh, Kemba's basically the same size as Chris Paul, so I don't really see what the um, where, where his problem is with that. Um, I, I think, mean, I guess if you just want to box Shea into, like, the shooting guard, like he's the quote-unquote shooting guard, uh, and you want to box him into that and say that he's undersized for a quote-unquote shooting guard... But come on, man. That's not realistic. That's not today's NBA. It's a positionless league. Like, yeah. lots of teams play multiple point guards or, you know, the quote-unquote point guards. I mean, the league's full of teams with multiple combo guards on the floor at the same time. Yeah, just I watched the other night. Uh, the Clippers <laughs> put out a lineup that had Reggie Jackson, Patrick Beverly, and, and Ray John Rondo out there. Those are three point right. guards. And one of them is playing small forward. So, like at this point, um, the, the NBA yeah. is, is positionless. Like, I, I, you know, who who really cares, man? As long as it works. Yeah, that's that's just a mind blowing tweet to me. All right, uh, <laughs> Tuesday night, chalk in Chisholm Creek. Will Brewer, Colby Daniels. We will be live for an hour, reacting to uh, whatever pick the Oklahoma City Thunder land in the NBA draft lottery. Again, that is this coming. Tuesday night, which is, um, what is the date on that? The 22nd, June 22nd, Tuesday night. The draft lottery is, uh, I believe that starts at 7.30. So we're going to be on from 7 to 8. Uh, and again, just uh, maybe celebrating, maybe uh, trying to talk people off the ledge if it goes worst case scenario. But man, it's going to be a ton of fun. And like I said, I did a live broadcast for the NFL draft at Chalk a couple months ago. And the place was packed full of NFL fans that just went crazy with every pick. So I can't wait to see what the atmosphere is going to be like when you consider your team, the Oklahoma City Thunder, are are potentially big winners or losers on Tuesday night. So join us at Chalk in Chisholm Creek on Tuesday night, June 22nd, for the NBA Draft Lottery. He is Will Brewer. I am Colby Daniels. We'll see you Tuesday. Okay. <laughs>